Good morning. Uh, my name is John Cherney. I'm the youth director here at IGC. Uh, and this morning, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to continue our series in the Gospel of John and the High Priestly Prayer, as Wade mentioned. So if you have your Bible with you or your bulletin or your phone, and you want to go ahead and join me by turning to John chapter 17, we're going to be looking at verses 17 through 19 today. And as you're turning there, I just wanted to say a couple of things as we're, as Wade even mentioned, this is the high priestly prayer. And so when we speak of Jesus as our priest, we're speaking of Jesus as our priest in a couple of different ways. Uh, first, we speak of Jesus as our priest because he is our once and for all sacrifice. And secondly, we speak of Jesus as our priest because he is the only one who is the mediator between God and man. Uh, the book of Hebrews covers those two topics exhaustively uh, and is perhaps my favorite book of the Bible. But as today we're looking in the high priestly prayer in John 17, we're going to go through and answer one big question. What is a sanctified life? Because here in John 17, we see Jesus's prayer for the church and he prays that we would be sanctified. And as we go through the passage today, we're going to go through verse by verse, and we're going to find three answers to that question of what is a sanctified life. The first answer is a life set apart. The second is that it is a life on mission. And the third, that it is a life of truth. So with no further ado, if you look with me at John chapter 17, we're going to read verses 17 through 19. The word of the Lord. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is the word of the Lord, and it was given for our good. Would you join me in prayer as we begin our time in the word together? Our Father, we thank you that we can um, gather together, uh, whether physically in person um, or with technology in our homes or to even be watched uh, later at a different time. We thank you that we can come together as a people, even in midst of sheltering in place, uh, that we can find nourishment through the reading of your word and through the sacraments of the church. Lord, I pray that now in this time that your word and message would be clear. Uh, that you would limit distractions, especially for those of us um, gathered next to a busy road, uh, and that your word, your your gospel that goes forth um, for the, the sanctifying of us, Lord, uh, Lord, that that would be clear, that we would leave with uh, an appreciation for the things that you have done, uh, Lord, and that our, our faith and that our hope for the things that are to come would continue to increase. Amen. So as we go through verse by verse this morning, uh, I'm going to reread for us verse 17 as we look at the first answer of what is a sanctified life. In verse 17, Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now, sanctified isn't a word that we often say on a regular basis. Uh, I'm willing to wager that probably none of us have said the word sanctify this morning in a conversation over breakfast, a cup of coffee, or a cup of tea. And so it's important that we, we pause there to, what, what does this mean? What is Jesus's prayer implying? And the, the word sanctify carries with it a couple of different things. Sanctify is used to talk about the, the people of God being made holy, uh, or another way we could phrase that is a people that are set apart. And oftentimes the example we see with that is a, a sanctified people or a sanctified object is something that is set apart with a purpose. And so Jesus's prayer here is that we would be sanctified. 
And this is actually the, the prayer and the, the mission that God has had for his people from the very beginning. Uh, in Leviticus chapter 11, God prays that his people would consecrate themselves and be holy as he is holy. And this is even the way that the tabernacle and the temple and the different instruments that would be used was that these things were to be dedicated. They were to be sanctified and set apart for God's worship, for glorifying God. And his people were to be a part of that themselves. So Jesus's prayer here is that we would be sanctified, that the disciples would be sanctified, that they would be set apart and that his word is truth. Now, as I mentioned, sanctified is not something that a lot of us have probably said today or maybe even come up in regular conversation. Uh, But there is some things, as I was thinking of examples, that we maybe do sanctify or set apart for a particular purpose. Uh, Perhaps you have wedding china and you pull it out on your anniversary or for special occasions. Uh, Maybe you have festive Christmas plates that come out once a year and they're set aside in the house all of the rest of the year to be pulled out for one special purpose. Or maybe you or somebody in your household has a special chair and it's their chair, uh, an armchair, a rocking chair. Uh, And even if you're in the room by yourself and that person's not there, maybe you set aside that chair for them in case they are going to come in and enter the room. And in that way, you sanctify that because it's set apart for their purpose. Now, I don't have a, a favorite chair and my wife and I don't have any wedding china or fancy plates. Um, one day when shelter in place is over and we can have people in our home again, they're the same everyday plates, all 365. Uh, but one of the things that I do sanctify in my home is my kitchen knife. Uh, now, throughout shelter in place, one of the things that I've fallen into is watching a couple different cooking channels on YouTube. And as I'm watching these, there's there's always gimmicky kitchen tools, tools that do one job. Uh, as I've been learning more about cooking, one of the things that came that I was continued to come across again and again is that the only tool you really need in your kitchen, according to these people that I'm watching, is just one really good kitchen knife. And so my wife and I, we have a couple of good kitchen knives and we sanctify them. We, we set them apart with a purpose. When I go camping, I don't take one of my kitchen knives from the kitchen to go and help me prepare tinder to make a fire. That's not the purpose of the knife. And in the same way, I don't take it outside to try to trim my bushes with it when I'm working uh, at the house. And I don't go and grab it from the kitchen when I need to open a box that came from Amazon. I sanctify it. I set it apart for a particular purpose, for preparing food. So all of the things in our kitchen and all the dishes that we have in our house, I will send any of them through the dishwasher. But my kitchen knives, I don't send through the dishwasher. Maybe some of you are like me with that, of the, the fear of them dulling quicker. And so you sanctify it. You set it apart for a particular purpose. So as Jesus here is praying uh, this high priestly prayer, he is praying that his disciples would be sanctified. And so how are we to be sanctified? Because we are far more precious than a kitchen knife or a special chair or even wedding china. So how are we to be sanctified? Well, we are to be sanctified in truth. And Jesus says, your word is truth. And we can think about that this way, that essentially it's like there's an equal sign between those words. If your word equals truth. Now in the gospel of John, there's this very tight relationship between Jesus as the logos, as the word of God, 
and the message that he comes and proclaims. The word of God preserved for us in the pages of scripture. But the gospel of John plays a lot of tongue in cheek with the, the word became flesh in John 1. And Jesus is so identified with the good news, the gospel that he has come to proclaim. And so here he is saying that your word is truth. And so everything that the disciples have heard, the message that is so identified with the incarnate son of God is how we are to be sanctified is that message. And this transformation, this being sanctified by God's word, which is truth, isn't just a cognitive thing. Isn't something you just believe in your head. God doesn't want us to just be brains on a stick, but rather this is something that actually, as we're talking about sanctification, or as we confess together as a church a couple of minutes ago, what sanctification is, it involves our whole person. Not just the things that we we believe, but the things in our heart, the, the ways that we actually live life. And so the first answer to that question of what is a sanctified life is a life that is set apart. Now we're going to look back at verse 18 and we're going to find the second answer to this question of what is a sanctified life. And that is that it's a life on mission. So if you look back with me in verse 18, Jesus goes on to say, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Now, how was Jesus sent into the world? Well, Jesus, as Pastor Wade's been talking about the last couple of weeks, he he is set apart to do the Father's will in a very unique way. This is the redemptive work that Jesus has come to do. This redemptive work um, is often summarized for many of us. um, that If you grew up in the church, you're probably very familiar with John 3.16. Um, If you didn't grow up in the church or have never even been to church, you've probably seen the word John with a couple of random numbers written on it at a sports game even. And the reason that John 3.16 comes up so often is it's a great summary of the gospel. So I hope as as I quote it for you right now that you can hear it with fresh ears as we're talking about this sanctified life and this transformation that leads to mission. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now the the beauty of the gospel and the, the transformation that Jesus leads to in our life is that that phrase actually becomes sweeter and sweeter and sweeter the bigger we see his gospel and the more that we see sin in our lives, which is the process of sanctification. Or you can think about it this way. Perhaps you remember uh, as a child, if you, uh, especially if you went to Sunday school, I remember my grandmother singing it to me, but the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And eventually there comes, a, uh, there comes an age where we outgrow children's songs like that. Um, but the truth of it actually continues to become more and more beautiful all of the days of our lives. That Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And see, this being set apart of what is a sanctified life, this is that we're set apart with a purpose. And and that purpose is not just a a right belief, but is also a right practice. It's actually that our lives are so transformed by the gospel, the, the process of sanctification. And so this is a life on mission, which is our second answer And this includes all of life. Life has a purpose on the good days and on the hard days. 
And this isn't for us to be removed from the world. This process of being sanctified is actually a mission that is for the world. In the same way that Jesus Christ comes in his incarnation and he comes on a mission for the world, he is now sending his disciples in the same way to go out and be for the world, to go out in the the sanctification they receive, in the redemption, in the, the word of Christ, the good news of the gospel, that they are now to go out as well. To follow Jesus means that we share in his mission. If you look back with me at the text, we're going to look at verse 19 and our third answer. But what, just to summarize what we've seen so far is this big question we're discussing of what is a sanctified life, uh, that it is a life set apart that is sanctified, and that includes mission. And Jesus is sending out his disciples to join in that mission. So now let's look back at verse 19. In verse 19, Jesus says, And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also might be sanctified in truth. Now how is Jesus set apart? Well, Jesus is set apart, uh, as I mentioned before, as I talked about at the very beginning, Jesus' priestly role. Uh, He is set aside in in a unique way as the mediator between God and man. And he's the only one that is qualified as the only person who is fully God and fully man to do so. And so he alone can be the mediator between God and man. And he alone from his perfect life can be the spotless lamb that's a once and for all sacrifice. And this comes with an an intercession for us in his priestly role. And so Jesus being set apart is for that task. Uh, The book of Hebrews puts it this way, talking about Jesus as our high priest. Uh, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. So let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence that he might help us in our time of need. And so much of the good news of the gospel is wrapped up in that. And so much of the good news of the gospel has to do with the, the sin that is in this world. Now, sin's a term that I feel like often um, we say, uh, we, we talk about. Uh, I have a favorite pocket definition of sin that the more you guys get to know me, um, you'll hear again and again. And the definition, the pocket definition of sin that I walk around with is that sin is the disordering and the, the, all things are set in not the way they're supposed to be. So to, to phrase that a little bit cleaner, sin is not the way things are supposed to be. And the good news of the gospel is Jesus has this unique mediator coming between God and man. It's fully God and fully man. He is our justification and our sanctification. And so this morning we're, we're looking at this high priestly prayer and the, the, the focus of these three verses is our sanctification. But our sanctification only comes with our justification. Now, those are two very churchy words. They're words that the Bible uses a lot. And so to define both those also with pocket definitions, when we speak of justification, we're speaking of God's one-time declarative act of grace. And this is the the pardoning of our sin and the imputation, the, the transferring of Christ's righteousness to us. Now, where this differs with sanctification is that sanctification is God's work of grace that is the ongoing subduing of sin in our lives so that we can have a life of truth, that we can have a life of truth because God's word is truth. And that's where we find our third answer to the question, what is a sanctified life? 
is this sanctification that can only come after justification. Justification as that one-time declarative act and that transferring between life and death and sanctification being what follows in the Holy Spirit subduing sin in our lives. As Jesus said earlier in John 14, that he is sending, as he goes, he is sending a helper to be able to be with them. And one of the primary responsibilities of the helper, the Holy Spirit that comes, one of his works is that ongoing work of sanctification in our lives. See, Christ comes in, as it says here, that he is consecrated to the Father. He is consecrated to the Father so that we might receive his holiness and that by the Holy Spirit, we can be renewed and we can partake in the life that he has for us. And that life that he has for us includes that mission to be set aside with a purpose. See, we can live a sanctified life in a world where things are not the way they're supposed to be because Jesus came and he consecrated himself to his Father's will. So this week I've been spending a lot of time thinking about the doctrine of sanctification as I've been studying this passage. Uh, And one of the things going on currently in my life as we've been sheltering in place, my wife Christina and I decided we'd take an early run at trying to potty train our toddler Walter. And as we've been doing that, uh, and even who's gone through the process of potty training someone, it is quite the process. It takes a lot of time. Um, you have to be very attentive. Um, you have a very short timer at which you can leave the house. But it got me thinking that there is quite the overlap, actually, between the doctrine of sanctification and potty training. And I'm not talking about the fruit of the Spirit in my life of me having more patience, goodness, kindness. Uh, I'm talking about the overlap as if, for this illustration purpose, we are all the toddler needing to be potty trained. And what actually happens in the process of sanctification, there's two overlaps I identify between sanctification and potty training. And the first one is that we need someone to help us. And Jesus sends the helper, the Holy Spirit, to help us in that process of sanctification, in that subduing of sin. And the second overlap between potty training and sanctification is that there will be messes along the way. And our God is patient and kind and merciful and abounding in steadfast love for generations, as Exodus 34 says. And in that, he continues to walk with us in that subduing of sin. Now, as Paul says in Romans, this isn't so that grace may just abound that we sin all the more, but know that we are convicted of sin as a whole in our lives and of individual sins and that we actually continue in a life of belief and repentance all of the days of our life. See, the, the more we know God's truth, this message that is the, the, your word equals truth, that is identified with Jesus, the more we get to know that word that is in the pages of Scripture, the more our hearts are transformed. The more we, we run to our high priest who can sympathize with our weakness, who's been tempted in every way yet without sin. And so what does it look like? This is, this is a prayer that Jesus prays, uh, this high priestly prayer. And so as we're, as we're closing, what does it look like for this prayer to be answered in our lives and in the life of our church? Jesus prays that the church would be sanctified. And so we've looked at what is a sanctified life, and we looked at three answers from the text. And the first was a life that is set apart. The second was a life that is on mission. 
And the third answer was a life of truth. See, because Jesus consecrated himself, we can be set apart for his mission. We are transformed by his Holy Spirit in the subduing of sin. And this ongoing work as an act of grace on God's part is something that Jesus prays that is heavy on his heart as he's preparing to to go to the cross and die. That he is praying for his church not only to have unity, but that they would be sanctified that they would continue to be formed more and more by God's word and by, by the transformation of the message that he came to proclaim. Amen. I'm going to pray for us and invite uh, Nathan back up. Our Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you that um, Jesus Christ comes on mission, uh, that he comes uh, redemptively, that he comes uh, and can sympathize with our weakness. Uh, Lord, that you are setting aside for yourself a people, um, that you are calling your people together, Lord, and the, the confidence that we can have in the gospel of the, those that Jesus came to seek um, cannot fall away. Uh, and he comes like a shepherd to find the one sheep out of the hundred. And there, there is so much joy in that and in the message that Jesus comes and proclaims and the redemption that we have uh, and the meaning that is given to life in that. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.